the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Blessed Easter to everybody, mm-hmm. and we're taping the show actually on Holy Thursday because of the holiday, and so it's uh, hopefully everyone will have a safe and glorious Easter. Hope the weather cooperates. Mm-hmm. A lot of things, Indians opening game and all that good stuff as well. So let's see, care what today? I find your food for thought. I'm going to talk. I'm going to pick up on what I was talking about last week, which of course is everybody's favorite topic: long-term care. And it, it's a it's nobody's favorite topic, but yet it's everybody has to deal with it, right? Especially what if you know the baby boomers sometimes referred to as the sandwich generation carry, right? Where mm-hmm. where not only are they getting up there in years, but their parents may still be living, and they may be having to deal with an elder person who they have to help into that convalescent care arena um, while they're still maybe dealing with their own children. Mm -hmm. And now they're also starting to think about what am I going to (laughs) do for that dilemma? So it is something that we have worked with, you know, the estate planning team, we've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 36 years. And it's always been an issue and it will always be an issue. And I don't know if the final solution for baby boomers is out there. No. We Today, maybe I'll go through six or seven possible solutions. Right. 
And whether or not that one or there, I, I'm not so sure the fi- the final one hasn't been invented yet. Right. Quite frankly. And there, um, and even if it's a solution for you, doesn't mean it's a lo- solution for someone else. Right. And the solution, you know, some of the solutions are, are somewhat age restrictive, meaning mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you, you may, a solution that may be available to you at one time may not be available to you later on. Right. When you really need it. A solution that may not, may be a very appropriate when you're in your 80s might not be appropriate when you're in your 50s mm-hmm. or 60s. So that's where you, sometimes you have to kind of figure out about you know what is going to be your solution. Um, prior to that, though, we do have some economic data. So, Carrie, now again, we're taping this show on Thursday. So this is normally where I'd be going over all the payroll data, right? The jobs mm-hmm. report data. Well, obviously, we don't have the jobs report, but we did get some data from um, some of the other you know things that you know with ADP report came out. And the actual came in at 145,000, much below the consensus of 242,000. That's a big difference. A big difference. Um, and <laughs> that's, a, that's a big that's, difference from consensus. And we're, so a lot of people are still, you know, raising their eyebrows a little bit. And on the ADP report itself, remember during the the Rona shutdown, they shut their own thing down, mm-hmm. and then they said we got to revise all our because they models. were so bad. And, yeah, and and now this is the newfangled ADP report, and it doesn't always match the jobs report, um, but. But, it, but one one interesting tidbit I did pick up from the ADP report, Carrie was was it, it's showing that that it's still a very tight job labor market for the employers, right? And employers are in a tough position, Carrie. You've heard about the layoffs, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of companies are announcing layoffs, and that's right? typically what we're always concerned about in recessions or major mm-hmm. US economic downturns is if you're still working the risk is that you lose your job you're laid off right. you know because that's one of the first cost cutting measures that the employers take mm-hmm. it's the quickest and somewhat easiest i right, guess way you have wages payroll taxes benefits right so now if you're already retired, you don't need to worry about losing your job because of recession. But but also we had this issue from the Rona shutdown, the great resignation, right? The people that didn't want to go back to work, never wanted to go back to the office, uh, want to work from home. And we all know how much work gets done at home, Carrie, right? Um, but, but one of the tidbits that I was referring to, so they... The ADP where they study the how much pay raises are people getting. So they said, well, if you stayed with your job, mm-hmm. okay, we call those job stayers. Mm-hmm. There was, um, I guess, this is annualized about a six percent increase. Okay, kind of suck at golf. The is that uh, yours? No, that wasn't mine. Huh? That that was um, I sounded through the feed. I was like, <laughs> I looked at my phone. I was like, that's not. Then uh, so so the job stayers gained about six percent. Was that the? It sounded like the master's feed. No, Carrie, I'm not watching the masters right now. No, on my phone. Um, but the uh, 
Yeah, that's, is. that's your phone, Carrie. Oh, I was looking at the stock. Oh, geez, sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, what was I talking about, Carrie? No, it was job you stairs. Jobs, you were talking about job stairs. Okay, they're up about six percent. You know what? The what do you what do you think the job switchers gained? So these are the people that went across higher. the street. Obviously, I'm saying fifteen percent. Very good, Carrie. Fourteen point two percent. So um, now, then we got the Jolts report, and and. That's another very, very important, uh, you know, uh, and and that's the one the Federal Reserve looks at very closely as well. And that came in at 9.93 million. That's what they're saying, how many job openings are right now. That's the first time it's fallen below 10 million, Carrie, since almost two years. Wow. Okay. That's, that is a trend reverse mm-hmm. okay um remember it was always we were saying there's more than two jobs available for every available worker now there's like one point what eight jobs? 1.7 <laughs> gary um about 1.7 so that is so these are all indications now we also got today on we're typing the show on holy thursday we got the weekly jobless claims and the street and these are the no, this is going the other way these are the people filing for right, you know, unemployment. So the, the consensus was looking for 200,000. It came in at 228,000. Mm. Worse than consensus, right? Um, so all this kind of indicates recession. this is the bad news, good news. So kind of bad news, but that's good news to the Fed because it sh- tells the Fed that their medicine is working. Or is it working or is it some other cause? I mean... I mean, is it really what they're doing working, or is it something else going on in people's worries about other issues? Well, it, it's probably or a combination. Yeah, you know, probably a combination of both. Um, but so I heard Loretta Mester. She's the Cleveland Fed president, right? right? And and very well respected. She was interviewed on Bloomberg this week, and they asked her about the jobs data and. She kind of said, well, they, they just don't look at the ADP report or the jolts or even the jobs report. They, they, it's all of it. You know, it, it's not just one. They look and, and they said, yeah. And one of the cautions is any jobs report, like the jolts report, that goes back too much. That's February's data, not even March's, right? Um, the rest of the data is April's or the weekly jobless is obviously weekly. But she says, yeah. So sometimes that's the knock because you're looking in the rearview mirror. And she said, yeah, that's true, but it does give a trends. It, it does help right. you to try to indicate where the economy is going. So she said it is important, and they do look at those things. Um, they, they also, she also said that you know she travels all around the country. She sees that businesses are preparing for an economic downturn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, word to the wise. Right. All right. Um, and they're starting to get more defensive. Now, she said that doesn't mean that the big corporations are looking for a deep recession. They just are getting prepared for they're a slowdown. They're tightening their belts. I mean, okay. the bottom line is um, they're being prepared for the worst. And she she's not, you know, re- you know, she thinks that GDP growth is going to be well below trend. What does that mean? She didn't really put a percentage on it. But right. if you think the U.S. trend has been 3% or 4%, she's thinking it'll be well below that. Um she does not see the Federal Reserve cutting rates this year. Okay. Wall Street does. 
Wall Street thinks Wall Street's convinced that the Federal Reserve is going to cut rates. Mm. I don't. I've not. I've not heard one Fed bank president say they're think, cutting rates. And this do year. you think the Fed's going to make any decisions based on one month of data? I doubt it. No, they're going to go. You know. And then so so, but that's the question: is you know what are they going to do? The next meeting is in May. Are they going to raise interest rates or not? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things. And and you know she wouldn't be. She said it's way too soon. Okay, um, she sees that you know she's in the camp that she really thinks that to really stamp down inflation, the Federal Reserve is going to have to raise interest rates above five percent. Um, so not they're all not all in that camp. Not right. all the bank presidents are in that camp. She is. Um, inflation. She's thinking that. Um, you know, she's thinking that for 2023, it'll be around by the end of 2023, it'll be around 3.75%. 2024, about two and a quarter percent. That's a big drop. And they don't get to their Fed's target 2% until 2025. See, now she's extending it out. Right. See, the, 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 that's not on the dot plots right now. Right. The dot plots are saying they're going to get to 2% by the end of 24. And that doesn't she, include gas prices. Because did you see the jump in the last two right. days? Well, uh, OPEC, right? Right. Um, that's, you know. Um, so then they asked a funny question that, you know, they kind of said, well, what's about the old line? The Fed tightens until something breaks, meaning that right. they can, they can, they, they, they don't start cutting rates. They still, you know, raising rates and not really, and, and until break, meaning we have a U.S. recession. And she, she kind of laughed that off and said, well, you know, that's obviously not our plan. We don't plan to go into recession, but we will stop inflation and we will get back to our target. She's still saying the target of 2%. And she says, we are making progress. You know, she said, we started right. at zero. And we've made a lot of progress so far, and we're not in a recession yet. You know, okay. that's, that's our meaning. Um, but so we're well on our way, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. And, and she's more thinking that the Fed will, it, it won't go from immediately raising rates to the next meeting cutting rates. Mm-hmm. She thinks it's more going to be when they, you know, they may get to a, a raising rates and then they may just pause for a while and see what happens. And then kind of uh, watchful waiting. Yeah, and and then uh, then we'll kind of go from there. So that's so. So what do you do at home? Well, one of the things is, you know, if you're building an economic model, and let's say you 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 started or you built yours a number of years ago before we've seen this higher inflation, you may want to revisit it and say, well, is my model still going to work mm-hmm. if I use higher inflation for a bit longer? The other thing, too, is are you concerned about a recession? Um, I don't know how many of well, I don't care. I don't know. I think some people are and some people aren't. But I think because our clients, maybe we've modeled in a worst case scenario or um, they've been ahead of plan because we use such conservative. I met with a couple people this week. And even though they were down as far as net worth from 2020 year end, December 31st, 2021 to December 31st, 2022, they were down. One couple was down 10%. Another was 18%. But they were still ahead of our financial model plan for because the year. we ran a very conservative projection. Right, including 
I would say probably 95% of our clients, we had built in an economic downturn. Right. And we had, you know, when inflation was still low, we had a three and a half to 4% ongoing and higher inflation rate on different expenses or lower. So that even though people are maybe worried about the market or they're worried about an economic, they're still ahead of their original projected plan and they're still not that worried enough that they're going to change their spending habits. And so if you built your model without using those scenarios, well, then maybe you want to build a new model. Sometimes we call that plan arc, right? So, so yeah, could, could we, I would say it's base case recession right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's calling for another great recession. I don't think also that anyone's calling for the Rona recession, you know, where you had a right. huge drop at by the end of the year, the stock market was back mm-hmm. to double digits. Well, no, because the government's not going to drop $6 trillion on our laps again. In right. this next recession. That ain't happening. I would hope not, honestly. Um, so, you know, it's going to be more of a standard uh, recovery. You know, it's not going to be a, a beach ball bounce recovery, right? Um, so you can model that in. Now, what are other things you can do? We always talk on this show about three simple things to remember if you want to protect you and your family from the next economic downturn. The first one is maintain an adequate cash reserve. Now, that's going to be different for everybody depending on what your expenses are and planned emergencies. And whether you're working or retired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and also, though, it's important. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it makes dollar sense, too, at this time because f- money rates are a lot better than they were <laughs> right. for the last 20 years. So maybe you want to put some of that cash reserve, have a good balance in your checking, savings, money market, wherever, that you can access, maybe a ladder CDs, and then look at some other long-term fixed options to lock in some of those longer term rates right the my the you know the what do you call it? the migas the multi, the multi-year guaranteed annuities right know, we talked it, about last week that was um early um this week was the first time we were notified where some of those rates that had been up for several months there's a couple of highly rated companies that are starting to drop their rates so we're kind of watching that trend there's yeah. still five percent that you can lock in for three to five years and we're very active planners as a state planning team we're always have our clients we're always saying yeah are you being active are you looking mm-hmm. at these opportunities because eventually the federal reserve will cut rates and those fixed rates are all going to drop right a year ago they were not very high they were two percent and a year from now they may be back down to two percent right. but for right now they're at four and five you might want to mm-hmm. lock that in word to the wise um all right so that's the first thing. Maintain an adequate cash reserve. If you're still working, that could be the potential loss of a job due to an economic downturn where you need uh, take-home pay. We talk about right. you know having a number of months of take-home pay. If you're already retired, you're not worried about that, but it could be your spending gap. could be that difference between what your expenses are in retirement versus your fixed retirement right. income, whether that be pensions and Social Security. That gap, that difference has got to come out of your nest egg investments, so you may want to year of that spending gap. Some of our clients have 18 months. Some carry have 24 months. Mm-hmm. It's a where's your peace of mind. 
Um, the second thing is rebalance periodically. You know, in other words, don't take on more risk than what you need to be okay. Yes, the sixty forty died last year, but it's risen. It's not right. going to be. It's 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 going. It's it, you know, the sixty forty isn't dead forever. And now you know that forty percent may be getting three to four percent, right? And so you're not too far off from getting your five percent that you ran your plan on. So you know, but if you but if you're still got if you've gotten your equity position up to 80 percent when you're you wanted to be 60 40 that's the downside risk right um so rebound now if you're using a professional investment advisor chances are they're doing that for you Mm -hmm. um if you're doing it yourself you kind of have to do it yourself um and the third thing you can do to protect your family from the next economic downturn is build a plan out. In other words, if you're not sure, if you're worried or you don't know whether you should be worried about a recession or not, right? Well, then let's for fun, let's build one out. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 say your plan A is working and it says, yeah, you can retire next year and you this is how much travel you can be doing, you're going to this is how much inflation you b- booked an adequate amount for inflation, for healthcare and all that good stuff. And the plan says, yeah, you got enough to last till 95 years old. Well, now that's plan A. Okay, let's build a plan R. Now let's model in a economic downturn. You know, how deep you want to go, that's up to you. Maybe you want the robot to run a few different scenarios. Mm -hmm. And now you see, okay, so in in a weird way, it doesn't mean you run out of money next year, right? Right. It just shows how how long your money lasts. It's a longevity. That's what's tough to do in your head. It's hard to, in your head, figure out how a recession over the next 18 to 24 months affects your 30-year balance of your plan. And guess what? Some people will need to make changes now. Some people won't. Right. But at least it puts you in a decision-making mode. Mark, I'm going to add number four Go ahead. because it's a huge part. You know, there are planning strategies and opportunities and windows then steps that people can take, especially if they have those IRAs, company plans, or really any assets where you can take funds out tax efficiently through Roth conversions, tax efficient IRA distribution planning and lower your cumulative tax liability, which actually changes When we're running those plans, if you do it in the right way and look for opportunities, avoid potential traps, your assets actually grow in the future and it gives you more net spendable dollars and people miss opportunities each and every year. And with the Secure Act 2.0, for some people it even opened that window even wider. And we know, you know, for 2023 is an opportunity for many people. Good morning, everyone. Uh, You are listening to Financial Food for Thought, and we are here every Saturday morning between 9 and 10, and we're a financial educational talk program. We're sponsored by the estate planning team, and the estate planning team is a fee-based, affordable, Ohio-registered fiduciary planning firm that's been around for more than 35 years, helping people who are working, who are in their retirement years, and we offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation to people if you're worried, you're concerned about inflation in the market and future taxes or your spending and really don't know what you should be doing when it comes to your financial life. We offer a free consultation, which we can just talk about concepts and strategies and what you're concerned about. Or um, we actually will prepare preliminary analysis if you provide us. We have a two-page worksheet that we fill out. Um, we have you fill out in return. And that gives us, um, in that analysis, to show you 
where you're headed, if you have IRAs or company plans, how much is earmarked for the government if you follow minimum required distribution. You learn a lot in that free consultation, which we do by phone or in person. Take advantage of the free consultation. You can call us at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or you can visit us on the website at financial foodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. You can sign up for our newsletter or alerts or contact us for the free consultation as well. All right. And we're still in tax season, Carrie, right? Uh, I got to mm-hmm. start thinking about getting my extension request printed out. Just here. get it filed this year for one. I don't know why, like, you go through all the work. Just mm-hmm. hit the button. Mm-hmm. Are you, I don't know if you electronically No, I never file, electronically man. send it. I'm, I'm on the holdouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to wait till the IRS forces me to file electronically. With all the problems they have, it may never happen. I don't know. But, you know, there's still I, you still time if you haven't started your tax return. Can you get it done free? Right. Mm-hmm. So there's some. Um, so, you know, the IRS has had that free filing program. But, Carrie, that may be on its way out. Right. Um, so the one of the problems is <laughs> that. They say that of the available U.S. taxpayers who could take advantage of it, only 3% are, so it's which not is, even is worth staggering it. to me. Well, I think we don't trust the IRS. So why well, would I trust It's not the them? IRS. It's, it's robots. Now, true, TurboTax dropped out of the program. Right. Um, but, I would feel better if it was an independent agency versus... And the, the threshold is if your adjusted gross income is below $73,000, mm-hmm. you, you could have it done for free. Um, and that's, and if, and, and again, that's probably, I don't know how many of our listeners fit that, but across America, there's plenty of, of right. people that fits, especially maybe your children. Right. But I think people don't trust um, the government maybe. Mm. Yeah. But the, uh, so, so what do they say here? Um, yeah, only about 3% of eligible taxpayers use the program each year to prepare and e-file their returns. Um, and the number of tax preparation firms that sign up to work for, with IRS on free file has dwindled over the years. IRS contracted with the nonprofit group Code of America to develop a report on the cost and feasibility of running a new direct e-file system, perhaps in the form of an app or a web platform that allows taxpayers to file returns for free directly with the IRS. If they don't trust those other companies now, are they ever going? Are we ever going to trust the IRS? Um, but I think I've said that, Carrie. I think that the the, the um, they've made it so complicated. The complex. Mm-hmm. I keep saying the complexity alone prevents compliance in this right. country, and that's why I think a lot of those um, big guys like TurboTax and the dropped out of the free file because of all those crazy refundable credits right. that and people would just they would and people that would go to and they TurboTax may ask a question and who knows what the people are asking right. or saying right and it even started with the stimulus checks remember how many people said I never got my stimulus check but and then, then did and, and then they had and, to file and, an amendment. Oh, and then all the and then of course all the crooks who just stole everybody's identity to file a bogus return just to get right. the refundable child tax credit. I mean, there's so many. I mean, that's all complexity. That's mm-hmm. all. I think at, at, you know we've got what 150 million plus filers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of them probably are under seventy three thousand. Um, the idea is, I I think 
I think the government's going to have to bite the bullet and say, you know, we'll just file everybody's, you know, we'll have to file everybody's tax return. I don't no, know. No, thank you. All right. A um, couple of other things. So it's also time of the year that we're being warned to be alert for IRS impersonation scams. The IRS will not call you. Um, they say they surge at this time of year. Um, right. So if you get a call, email, or text from someone claiming to be from the IRS, don't respond. And don't. threatening jail time if you don't. And and th- and saying that you have to go down to the corner and buy gift cards. Yeah. Um, don't click on the links. Or we're going to send the sheriff to your office. I got one of those ones. Don't give out any personal information. Also, ignore calls, emails, or texts offering to help set up an IRS online account. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. Um, nothing to note again. Tax season. Did you have? Do you ha, did you have more than one W two last year? Hmm. Okay. Um, so this is something, and this has come up, Carrie, in the decades. This has come up too often, but we've caught we've we've caught new clients on this. And it's a situation where if if you are a high earner and you switch jobs, and apparently a lot of people switch jobs mm-hmm. this during the you know right um, that you know right now that wage base cap right it, you know it says how much of your uh, wages are subject to the Social Security tax. All right, that's capped every year. Mm-hmm. So for like for 2022 last year. The cap was one hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars. This year, isn't it one sixty something? One, it, yeah, one sixty thousand, one hundred sixty thousand two hundred. As a matter of fact, I got some more data on that, Carrie. I'm going to that's one. Of the, uh, I'm going to talk about okay. that. But back to the last year. So because you're filing last year's tax So let's say you between your two jobs, the you know, either one of the W-2s was not in excess of 147000 But combined they but were. combined they were. Now, it, the both payroll departments collected Social Security tax on the whole thing because, and independently, neither one hit the cap. Correct. But theoretically, you paid more than on 147000 Which means you're entitled to get some of that back. Yeah, and don't just rely that the IRS is going to catch that. Mm, I would guess not. This is why you don't trust them to file. Um, now, maybe the IRS robots would, mm. but maybe you want to take matters in your own hand. Mm. Or if you're using a professional, they might not catch it. Right. And I wouldn't. Yeah, I would think I'd want that money back. Um, My money. And so you can claim a credit on your Form 1040 for any excess Social Security tax withheld from your wages. And then you report that surplus amount on Schedule 3, Line 11. Okay, so just, it's a rare, but we have seen it, Carrie. And we're a small shop, and we've seen it, and we've caught people on that before. Help people not lose that money. All right. Um, yeah, so so let's talk about the Social Security Ways page. So that's one of the things that when we're building a financial model for our clients, and they're still working, and they are, uh, you know, a high earner, we now part of our calculations is okay. How much are you going to have to pay in your payroll taxes? Mm-hmm. All right, and so we're always looking for that number. Um, and so Clippinger just came out. They do a pretty good job of projecting what that number will be in the future. 
Okay. All right. Now, we were, you just mentioned the big increase that we had in 2023. Right. Again, because of all the inflation that was going on. It's based on the National Average Wage Index growth, Carrie. Right. That's what they- I thought they just needed more money for Social Security. Yeah, yeah I think it's someone in, someone in, <laughs> someone's trying to figure that out. I was like, how much do we have to uh, Bump raise it that? Up to keep- now, we, we're, we're laughing because we do think that is going to be the solution or one of the solutions to, to shore up Social Security. Isn't that an easy fix? They're going to have to raise that 160 a lot higher. Right, but isn't that a quick... I mean, to me, that's the most simplistic... I think Social Security problem when people say it's going to run out, I think those are an easier fix. Than- but, yeah, but that type of change, Carrie, is going to have to come from Congress. The, the Normally, it's already in the law that you get these, these bump increases ups. based on this national average wage index growth, right? Um, so, so like, for example, last, in 2022, it was 147,000. That went up in 2023 to 160,200. Wow, that was a 9% increase, Carrie. Right. Well, that's between the 6% of people wage stayers and the... What fourteen point seven percent of wage, you know, or hoppers? Now, so what? So now, what are they saying? So what is uh, Clemier saying? So they're saying that, um, yeah, the, I guess they're actually using a White House budget forecast. Um, so I guess that they're that's the one they're forecast that they're looking. So they're thinking that for twenty twenty five. No, well, well, no. Let me. Uh, let me skip. Let's go to twenty twenty four. Yeah, twenty twenty four. It's going to be one hundred and sixty eight thousand six hundred. Okay, that isn't nearly as big as a bump. It's about a five percent, five point two percent jump. Um, then for twenty twenty five, it's going to be one hundred and seventy seven thousand nine hundred. Okay. Then for twenty twenty six, it's going to be one hundred and eighty five thousand one hundred. And then for twenty twenty seven, they projected to be one hundred ninety two thousand three hundred. That's going from the 9% increase we had this year down to 5 for a couple of years and then getting back down to about 4 okay. for a long term. So um, so we will now update our clients' plans with this forecast, and it just gets a little bit more accurate, and you have a little bit more Because that's a real confidence. expense. People don't think about it because... It, you know, they don't get that in their accounts, but it's definitely an expense that you need to account for. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So currently at the 160200 if you're capping it out, that's about $9,932 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's going to go up to 10400 then 11000 then 11400 then up to 12000 Now, that's something that, you know, you it's minor. But again, you, you can, like I said, we're a very active planner. So we try to, as reality gives us a better number than what the assumption we've made, we know how to go in and manipulate the plans accordingly. All right. And if you want help with this issue and want to see a financial model or want help analyzing choices through objective, unbiased advice and background analysis, we can do that. And that's what we do at the estate planning team. Call for a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation, which we can do by phone or in person. You can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. You're listening to Mark Donnelly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 36 years. And over those decades, Carrie, we have 
certainly talked to a lot of clients about long-term care. Mm -hmm. And it is a dilemma. And it, there's not an easy solution. Mm -mm. Um, it, no one thinks they're going in, right? Because I think that's wishful thinking. Nobody wants to go in. And we always tell everyone, nobody checks them. It's true. Nobody checks themselves into a nursing home. Right. It's, it's not your choice at it's that point. always somebody else's decision. So it's either going to be a doctor or it's going to be a spouse or it's going to be a child, or it's going to be some other, you know. And it just may be circumstances where it's not safe for you to be at home anymore. And we've heard all the stories. It's not happening to me. Uh, we've my heard kids all this, will take care of, of my, me. Yeah, that, now my kids will take care of me. Um, we hear that one a lot. And it may be true. But the thing is, the kids will not do that if they think they can't do a good job. And some conditions require, it's a lot for somebody to be a caregiver, depending on what the physical yeah. ailments are, or if there's the cognitive impairments like dementia and Alzheimer's, are the kids have the capacity? I mean, sometimes I had a grandfather, you have to be aware 24 seven because people wander, people get up, people do these things. Like it, you may not have the capacity to be a caregiver of what's needed for your loved one. Right. And, and sometimes it's just not like making chicken soup for the person. Right. It's not like that. It's mobility. Maybe it's, I physically can't lift them anymore. Yeah. Or you have to, maybe it's administering shots that you're not comfortable doing mm -hmm. um, or cleaning a wound out three times a day right. that you may not be comfortable doing. Uh, there are a million things. Right. Um, as well as a cognitive care. That's, right. that's clearly the one. And, you know, it, and we've had the situations where um, it has caused people to go into early retirement. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, we always say, what are the things that, why do people retire earlier than what they were planning? Well, the first reason is because of their own physical capabilities. Right. One of the next big reasons is because somebody else, they have to take care of somebody else. Right, they're needed. Um, and will your children be in a position that they can retire to take care of you? And sometimes they can't financially either. Um, right. So, um, so, and then, and the numbers are staggering, Carrie. So, so again, I started this on last week's show. I'll just kind of repeat some of the numbers. You can always go back and listen to the podcast. Um, so they, they say, you know, that 70% of the 65-year-olds will need some type of long-term care. All right? Jeez. And so if you That's just... That's a rough statistic. Right. So if you, you know, if you just, you know, look at those numbers, um, you know, the baby boomers. So there is going to be, starting in probably about eight years, Carrie, right? Um, there's going to be 10,000 baby boomers turning a day, turning 85. All right. And 70% of them may need some type of long-term care. So that's 7,000 a day checking in to a facility, right? Or at least need a bed somewhere. Right. And we uh, talked last week, like it's not feasible. You think just the, the workforce and the number of facilities... Right. So 7,000 a day, that's 2,555,000 a year 
for 19 straight years. So do you think this might be a crisis coming? And who's, and do you think anybody is talking enough about this? Or doing enough to solve the problem? Um, are all of them going to, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a huge wave problem coming. There's not enough. You know, the, is the government going to pay for everyone? Oh, sure. The government will pay for everything for votes, right? The government's um, just going to pay for everybody. No, I mean, the reality is who's going to, I mean, it's a problem. Now, so one of the things that we were talking about is some people, well, the the problem not only being there may not be enough facilities built, and they're springing up everywhere, Carrie, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the continuing care community, you know, we'll talk about mm-hmm. some possible solutions, but there's not enough caregivers. Right. It's the workforce to staff these facilities. Every faci- Most facilities now are short-staffed. And they're not highly, uh, what am I trying to say? Trained? No, prestige. I mean, oh. there, there's not a lot of demand. I mean, it's not a well, it, not, not a lot of people want to go into that business. Because it's not a high-paying job either. And it's tough work. Right. I was going to say they need to do something about the wages for that staff, right. I would think. And I, and I know firsthand because I've had cl- parents right. in and out of nursing homes, and that's a tough job. It's a tough job. It's bad hours. It's mm-hmm. long hours. It's You're, tough. I personally, had, and it doesn't pay real well. No, and a lot of, and there's a lot of turnover. Mm-hmm. All right, and and it seems like to me, in my own experience, ninety nine percent of the caregivers are just nurses in training they're right. just doing it until they get their nursing degree and then they're out of there right um now um and and i would say that's in the home the nursing home facilities i think it's a whole different work crowd or work base for the home care the home right. care people. and they're even short you look at every one of those groups that are out there looking for people. so so everyone was thinking that maybe robots were the answer right you found the name, correct name of the one last week. <laughs> we, I was looking at an article in we Japan. Call, we call them care bots. Okay. So Japan has been working on this for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Japan's got a big problem with this. And they, and they, and of course, they are kind of leading the world in robotics. Right. I don't know if they, I think they probably still are. Um, I'm sure all countries are working on robots, but Japan has always been known for their robotics. And everyone was kind of hoping that they would have the robots that could fill this position. Right. Because, you know, um, but we're getting the data now that looks like. Not going to work. Not going to work. And so, yeah. So actually, there's a few out there. Uh, There's Robear. Okay. That's Uh, the one I found, I think. There's Hug. Okay. There's Pavo, and then there's okay. Pepper. Okay. See, I knew. I and found Pepper Pavo the one, and well, that other one. Yeah, and Pepper was the one I was trying to remember. Okay. Now, the, none of all, are they all a failure? Well, they all have different, they're kind of different, but I, and I don't really know what pronouns I should use for the robot skirt. Because I, I, all the Thing? names are kind of... Aren't they gender hit- neutral? Aren't they? Well, isn't it is it isn't a gender at all? It's a machine. Well, no, they're saying that gender is important with robots. 
I'm not making this up, Carrie. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got, oh, I've got in my hand <laughs> a Wall Street Journal article. Okay, published March 20th of 2023. Why it matters whether a robot is giving a gender. Oh, my. All right. Uh, humans feel a greater <laughs> sense of attachment to robots they consider to be male or female, a study found. But giving a tech a gender also can increase stereotyping. Do you believe people are trying to study this? <laughs> We've got a long-term care problem, and they're concerned that the robots may be offended if we don't give them a gender? Or that people connect more to the machine? I think that you need to focus on... You know, maybe putting the money into a robot that does the job and who gives a crap about whether they're male, female. I mean, we have a real problem and somebody's funding this. I guess that's the most disturbing thing. You know, we have really big problems and the stuff the government funds is ridiculous. Brookings Institution have expressed concern (laughs) about giving traditional male or female names, voices and appearances to technology, saying that doing so might reinforce unfair gender stereotypes. But a new study recently published by the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology identifies at least one big upside to giving technology a gender. People get more attached to it. It doesn't matter it's whether a, a robot. robot it doesn't matter whether a robot seems to be male or female. People will perceive it as being more human-like if it has a gender. But it's not it, human. I guess, it, do we really need to have somebody attached to a robot? Or do you want a robot to do a function that's needed in Carrie, society? Carrie, I'm just trying to report the science. Oh, good. All right. What um, a waste of money The results and time present, and energy. The results present a paradox. Um, gendering technology reinforces problematic stereotypes, but it also facilitates anthropomorphism. Okay. Humanization, I guess. Right, that's kind of like... With beneficial consequences for the marketing of various technologies. It's about marketing, right. So it's like the other... Like, like, do you ever... I never did this, Carrie, but you've heard people that they've named their car. Like some people name their car. No, I've never done that. I've never done that because to me, a car is an automobile. Right. It's it's a machine that gets me to... But have you ever known somebody actually named their car and it's gender specific? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like the same but, thing. But it's still a car. Like, right. I can see getting attached to animals, people, but it's so, a robot. Right. So so what? So why are the robots failing? Um, Hug is a lifting robot. Paro is a robotic seal. Um, and Pepper is a humanoid robot. Um, so Hug, obviously, was supposed to help people lift out. You know, right, which I can understand. No, actually, that failed because it actually caused more work because the, 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 the human workers would have to wheel Hug around. And then, they, then they, they said that part of the humanistic of was when a human was helping the patient lift them out of bed, it was actually giving them a human touch hug. And, 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 and they would spend, and it, it, it connected. And a lot of times the human caregivers would say that was a time that they broke through to the patient and actually got, you know, some meaningful conversation going. Mm-hmm. Hug doesn't do that. Okay. All right. Um, and then you have to spend, so you end up spending more time with the machine, the robot, you got to turn it on, Program you got to maintain it, it, and you got to put it away at night. And and so the again, the human the human workers were spending more time caring for the hug than the patients. 
<sighs> okay. Pepper was used to run recreation sessions. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, karaoke, whatever, you know, um, having a conversation with the residents, uh, you know, but again, it, it, so the, so the, the human worker would roll pepper, wheel it into the conference room. Right. And then it would turn it on and like, it, it, you know, it would come up, but it's like, they, they said the patient got, it was kind of like bored. Cause like how much program you going to have? It's just like play the same song over and over again. Right. Or just have a conversation. I'm not, uh, Okay. Um, boredom set in quickly, they said. Um, so after a few weeks, it was like... Well, with all the issues coming out about AI and some of the research, maybe we don't want them right. to talk. All right. So, you, so ro- obviously, robots aren't the, aren't the answer yet. So what are some of the solutions? So okay. let's go through some of them, Carrie. So one, of course, most of our clients want to know, Mark, can I afford it? Mm-hmm. You know, get, do I have enough to be okay? Whether it's a... Full nursing home. Can I afford in yeah. ho- in home assistance? You, right, and, and usually we we talk about two levels of care. One being assisted living, which in this town maybe running about medium around fifty two thousand a year, mm-hmm. or a full fledged nursing home, double the price, could be closer to ninety five thousand a year. Certainly, we have clients care right now who are paying well over a hundred thousand right. a year for that type of care. Do you want a private room? It goes up right, right? Um, now. But you're not going in today. That would be 65. Let's say you're 65 today. Let's say you are going in in 20 years, 85. Right. So we add some inflation onto that. So now we're talking a assisted living about 132,000 or a full-fledged nursing home about 237,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe you're not going into age 90. Okay. So now the price would be closer to 168,000 as opposed and a full-fledged nursing home about 302,000. Do I need to go higher? Mm-hmm. Okay. What if you don't go in until 95? Okay, now it, the the assisted living would be about two hundred and fifteen thousand a year, and the nursing home would be about three hundred and eighty seven thousand a year. Do you think that could put a dent in your nest egg? Mm-hmm. But can you sustain it and still, if your spouse is still living, will you both still be okay? For some people, it'll be it'll work out. They can afford that. Right. So that's what. So we can run that model. And, and that's the idea. Most of our clients who are running that model, they say, yeah, I want to know, Mark, can I retire at a certain time, do a certain amount of fund spending in the golden years, and still have enough to pay for a long-term care in the end? Some of them can. Some of them can't. Right. Um, you know, it's also the long-term care dilemma is much more difficult to maneuver if there's a couple. Correct. If it's a single person. Yeah, that's much easier because in that situation, all the assets can be go to the surviving spouses or the single person's care. Right. They don't need a home if they're in a nursing home. The home can be sold, proceeds used, all the home expenses go away. Right. You can't do that when there's a community spouse. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so another one is the long-term care insurance solution. Right. Well, that industry has pretty much failed. Right. It's out of people, you know, got out of that quite a bit or the few companies that are, it's ridiculously expensive, the annual premiums. Right. At one time, it's not cost effective. At one time, that industry thought they had the answer, but they, 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 their model broke down when people started living longer, expenses kind of going up. But when clients or people we know got those coverages that they still have them in place, um, before those price increases, although they're bumping them up, it's still 
typically the cost of a premium isn't even one month of a long-term care stay. Right. But it's but, just they're not taking on new business. And they're, there's only a, a very small percentage of Americans have long-term care insurance, Gary. Mm-hmm. The range that I've seen different studies, it's about 2 to 10%. Okay. <laughs> a very small percentage have That is slow. Have low. Um, okay, so... Now, the life insurance industry is trying to come up with an answer. They call theirs the hybrid solution. Right. That's where you're actually buying a life insurance policy, like mm-hmm. a guaranteed life insurance policy, that has like a double indemnity for long-term care protection. Right. And those are very popular. They're right. more popular than long-term care insurance right now because right. at least if you never need the long-term care because no one, I'm not going in, either are you, Carrie, right? Right. So, so at least there's a death benefit going tax-free to somebody. Right, but there's a, a decrease, there's a cost to both. And then there's even annuities that life insurance have come up with, an annuity with a long-term care benefit too. Another one, another possible solution is the continuing care community. These are these places where you buy in, right? And, and, and you go in as an independent living. And then if your health deteriorates, they move you to the assisted living wing. There, your rent goes up. And then if you really need care, they move you to the back, to the nursing home, rent goes up again. But the idea is because you gave them a big buy-in in the beginning, mm-hmm. if you run out of money, they don't kick you out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of people, now we have a clients who have done that, but they really, the long-term, really the, the deciding factor for those clients that have done that isn't necessarily the long-term care protection. It's they want that style of living. And right. some of these places like living on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, swimming pools, Resorts, uh, cocktail parties, foods. you know, excursions, you know, you name it. Um, there's the elder care solution, right? That's where the elder care attorneys are, you know, want you to, you know, they, they get into like a Medicaid spend down trust where, and they, and they teach you how to, you know, try to move your assets where you can get on Medicaid quicker, you know, starting with the five year look back rule for Medicaid, right? And that's very popular too. We've had lots of clients do that, but I always say first, if you're looking at that, it, you got to be upfront with the attorney. And if you don't want to go on Medicaid, you have to tell them that. Because what those plans are is designed to put you on Medicaid. We'll talk more about that. I hear the music, Carrie. Let's get out of here. All right. Call for a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. And have a happy Easter, everyone. Next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.